halfway between Faison and Clinton on a large farm. So we know what hard work is. Back then you worked hard. You get up sometime four and five o'clock to take care of the crops. Clinton was our, we say was our hometown, so we there. But as we were raised on the farm, uh, we attended Mount Vernon Missionary Baptist Church. My granddaddy, my grandmother, and my mother and the family, right down the road from us, the Missionary Baptist Church. But then something happened to my mother. She went to a tent meeting, preached by Reverend Reuben, that's what he said, that's how he pronounced it, Reverend Reuben Jones. And she got saved, and she got filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We started attending his church there in Clinton. It was called Butler Hill. Butler Hill. At nine, ten years old, we were attending the church. I uh, was in a Sunday school class. It's almost obsolete today to hear someone say Sunday school. But we attended the Sunday school class. It was taught by brother and sister Rowe. They were a wonderful couple. They both had worked at a circus and gotten saved. And now they were serving God and teaching kids about Jesus Christ. I was nine and ten years old. I'm older than dirt today and I still remember it. I still remember their names. Brother and Sister Rowe. One of the best investments that you can make is teaching children. Teaching young people. Some of us maybe would be available to see Brother Michael or Sister Christy today and say, Hey, I want to teach. You say, I don't want to teach every Sunday. Well, maybe not every Sunday. But uh, volunteer. If you will see Michael, our youth pastor, or, of course, uh, Christy, and say, listen, I feel, you say, I don't feel led. You don't have to feel led. Just do it. Amen. Just, just teach. Antoinette, I could not wait till you got back in the pulpit. And you do this pool. You grace it very much. Very good. And we appreciate you so very much. I am going to read from the book of Ezekiel. Now, when I felt impressed by the Lord to preach this message, of course, it's the Valley of Dry Bones. I thought to myself, Lord, this has been preached so many times. And so many ministers have done so well preaching this sermon. And it does have a message, yes, for us today. But I said, uh, Lord, I'll be obedient to you. And so let's, let's dig a little, little deeper in the 37th chapter, if you will, of the book of Ezekiel. Starting with the first verse, he says here, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Uh, it says in verse 2, Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many 
in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. Uh, if you ever saw the Lion King in the Elephant Graveyard, that's about the way it looked. There were many. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5, thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall Live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you. And again, you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied. Look what he did. So I prophesied, Ezekiel said, as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, and there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. By the way, whether it's the uh, Hebrew or the Greek, these three words are interchangeable. Breath and wind and spirit. So either one could have been used. So I prophesied, he said, to the breath. Uh, Thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain and they, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Verse 11. Now look at this verse. This is what they thought of themselves, the nation of Israel. And this is about the nation of Israel. This is what the Jews at that particular time, Ezekiel was prophesying during their captivity in Babylon. Verse 11, notice it. And he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Number one, they said our bones are dry. Number two, our hope is lost, and we are cut off. We are helpless. And my friend, they felt very I don't know how you feel today about your life, about your nation, about your city, your community. I don't know how you feel, but maybe you feel like these Jews felt at this time. They were helpless or they felt helpless and they felt hopeless. Here's what they felt like. They felt like nothing was left, nothing that anyone could do. Therefore prophesy, he says, and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know, God says, I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O people, and brought you up from your graves. Verse 14, and I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and will place 
I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Father, we pray that you'd speak this word to our hearts. Speak it to our ears through your servant. Help us to understand. Quicken us through your scripture and your word in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you do not have an outline, do we have anyone to give out the papers? Okay. Uh, I want everyone to have an outline. And uh, it's, it's very informative. And I want you to read with me the introduction. The vision of the Valley of Dry Bones has been variously, variously, I'm sorry, interpreted. It's been interpreted many ways. Some see it as, number one, teaching the return of the exiles, the Jewish people that were at that time in Babylon. It's also as an analogy for spiritual regeneration, and I believe the birth of the church. And then thirdly, and dispensational interpreters see here, the resurrection and restoration of the end time national Israel. Contextually, it is designed, and listen to this, to be a message of hope to the exiled Jews. Ezekiel is given two symbols to illustrate the resurrection or the restoration of the nation of Israel. These symbols refer to the whole land, but I believe it's also referring to the church and the body of Christ today. What I'd like for us to do is notice these two symbols. I didn't read from, from, from verse 15 to verse 28 of this chapter, but it's very important if you get an opportunity this week to read 15 through 28, read the whole chapter of Ezekiel, it would be edifying and a blessing to you. First of all, there is a symbol of skeletons illustrating Israel's resurrection. The miracle of the dead bones, Ezekiel sees dry bones in the valley suddenly reassemble themselves, become covered with muscle, come, become covered with flesh and with skin. Can you imagine? I don't want to rush through it. I don't want our minds to rush through it. I want us to think of this great valley, this occasion for Ezekiel to prophesy, to bring forth, to bring life to the nation, certainly, of Israel. God explains that he will someday do a similar thing for the nation of Israel. Now, we've been studying prophecy for the last several months, really, uh, on Wednesday night. And one of the interesting things is to look at the prophecy concerning Israel in the last days. And here, God is speaking years before to his prophet Ezekiel of the restoration of the uh, healing of the nation of Israel. Now, if we had time, we'd read the verses 15 through 28. The Lord told Ezekiel, get two sticks, two sticks. I want you to put them together. And I want you to write on one Judah. And I want you to write on the other Ephraim, which meant Israel. Write on one stick, Judah. 
right on the other stick, Judah. Then I want you to put them together. And just as you have put them together, now we know about the disbursement, we know about the separation after Solomon. Even before Solomon, the nation of Israel separated into Israel and Judah, which included the, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. But they separated. Brother Don, have they ever come back together? Somewhat, but no. Even in the time of Jesus, they were divided. The Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. Jesus went and talked to the woman as I sung at the well. She was a Samaritan. They would not even go through their town. There was so much, so much hatred. But notice what it says. The symbol of the two sticks illustrating Israel's reunion. God will someday, and I hope we'll get an amen here, unite the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Amen? They will be reunited. Notice, David will be, and this is what it says in these verses, this rejoicing time, will then be appointed to rule over both nations. David was a good king, but Jesus Christ, is a perfect king. Amen? God will make an everlasting covenant of peace with Israel. We said that again. God will make an everlasting peace. Says it in those verses of the nation of Israel. So this is what he's talking about. It's bringing life back into the nation of Israel. Bringing life into the people that were dead separated, divided, hopeless, helpless. He's talking about bringing life back in to this nation. But also, let's look at the spiritual. Number two, the spiritual regeneration. And I think this is a present day application. The bones responded to the people's, uh, the, the bones represent the people's spiritual deadness. And we have a church today. I'm not necessarily talking about this church. Of course, sometimes when I preach, I feel like I'm preaching the dead bones. But uh, I'm not necessarily talking about this church. We have a church today that's dead. There's no life. They have programs. They have activities. They have preaching. They have singing. They have quad quote, worship, but they're dead. Without the Spirit of God, we're dead. Somebody say amen. In order to have a revival, a spiritual renewal or a quickening of the dead and trespass and sin, there must be, we name three things, follow me, three things that must be if we're going to have regeneration, if we're going to have people to get saved and born again, and be renewed in Jesus Christ. If we're going to experience restoration of the church and renewal and revival of the church, number one, the presence of human instrumentality. Ezekiel was commanded to prophesy. God needs you. God needs people. God needs ambassadors in the kingdom for his work to be done. Somebody say amen. We need that. We need that. We need that. You might say, preacher, I'm not, I'm not qualified. 
You think the 12 disciples were qualified when Jesus called them? Absolutely not. He qualified them when he called them and anointed them. Amen? And if you will allow the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be the means whereby you can witness you can bless people. You can see people saved, born again. When Jesus anoints at you, you can work for the Lord. Amen. So there must be human help. There must be a man. There must be a woman that will be willing to say, Lord, here am I. That's what Isaiah said. Use me. Number one, there must be someone that will step out and be obedient to the Lord. Second, the preaching of the gospel. The word prophesy means to utter by, the, by divine inspiration. Not just saying words, but, but preaching and teaching and ministering under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The preaching of the gospel. Ezekiel was commanded to prophesy and the bones did not come together until he preached until he prophesied until the listen to this the word of God went forth under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit and that's what brings people that's what brings us that's what brings the church back to life he was commanded to prophesy so God needs a man amen God needs a woman. God needs someone that will carry the gospel, whether it's in their neighborhood, whether it's on the job where they are. God needs us. But we need to minister. Our words need to be inspired. And they need certainly to be anointed. And then thirdly, the power of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel was commanded to prophesy to the wind. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3 and verse 5, in the last days men will have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The church needs the power. I preached about that last week. The resurrection power. What will we do once we receive that power? It's very interesting and it's very, very important. The power of the Holy Spirit. He said, prophesy to the wind. Prophesy. Prophesy. Speak with the anointing. When you and I are obedient to God, we'll speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God. Now I want us to know, thirdly, the results of Ezekiel's obedience. There was a noise. And some people, that's about all they have is a noise. There was a shaking. For some, that's about all they had, is a shaking. There were bones coming together. There were sinews and flesh that came upon the bones. But they didn't live. They didn't live until Ezekiel prophesied to the Spirit. As I said, when Spirit all the same thing. He prophesied. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost, that the early church experienced and was able to turn their world upside down, we won't turn a furniture upside down if we don't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We turn nothing upside down. But when God's Spirit, God's Holy Ghost comes in, 
will turn the world, as they said, upside down. But they, they lived and they stood upon their feet and became a great army. God knows how to unite bone to bone. God knows how to unite Bethel. Amen. God knows how to unite the citizens of Durham. Amen. God knows how to unite Washington. He can bring us together. You said, oh, Brother Don, I'll never agree with so-and-so. And I don't know how. Well, listen, the Holy Spirit of God can bring us together. And that's what we need. We need men and women that's willing to lay down their differences. And that's what happens with us on Tuesday morning. We have Presbyterians, Baptists, Pentecostals, Charismatics, Methodists, all of us coming together. Now, they're not all there every Tuesday, but we have about 40 ministers that come together. And boy, there's so much difference in and some of our thinking when it comes to the operating of the church, when it comes to the scripture, but there's one thing we can be unified on, and there's our more, and that's prayer. And we pray, and the Holy Spirit falls in that place on 9th Street, and this past week people were standing to their feet, raising their hands and praising God. I'm believing that God's going to fill some of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, some of them already with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Somebody say hallelujah. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Without the spirit, there is no life. It's dead. And we need to pray in our prayer closets, in the prayer room. We need to pray until the Holy Ghost anoints us, until we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. Without the Spirit, there is no life. The Spirit washes. The Spirit sanctifies and justifies the believer. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. I love Romans 8. Romans is one of the greatest books. If you want to enjoy reading a book, read the book of Romans. And you'll notice up to chapter 7, the struggle that the flesh has. And then Paul even gets to say, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this flesh? And, flesh? and then he goes into Romans 8. And listen to the first four verses as he writes. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Are we walking according to the Spirit? Does the Spirit influence us? Amen. It's, a, it's important. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in likeness of, sin, likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. Notice what it says. He condemns sin in the flesh. And the righteous requirement of a law might be fulfilled in us. Who do not again not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Amen. The flesh struggles. The flesh cannot be obedient. The flesh... Uh, doesn't know the mind of Christ. But when we're filled, in fact, it gets to the 8th chapter. You know how many times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans? 19. 
13 times. I believe God is telling the church, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with inspiration. Be filled with the anointing of God because that's what brings the victory. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? It's us that go forth under the anointing. And then there was a great army. The army of the Lord is not together today. We need to be together. Churches need to come together. We need to be, listen to this, we need to be the most influential segment in America today. I won't say it again. We need to be the most influential segment in America today. Not Democrats, not Republicans, not liberals, not conservatives. We, the church, the church needs that. They became a great army and they had power. Power for what? Just to speak in tongues? All right. Just to shout? Okay. But power for service, the work for God. To see people's lives changed. Amen? I want some lessons learned from this. Follow me with your notes. First of all, instead of a valley of dry bones, there is an army, living, united, mighty. There are so many people that believe that before the coming of Jesus Christ, there is going to be a divine, supernatural move of God with the church. I wouldn't be surprised. I believe God wants the church today to be like the early church before. We need to be an army, but we need to be living, and we need to be united, and we need to be mighty. God, give us a mighty church. Give us a mighty church. Wouldn't that be great? What church you go to? The mighty church. Amen. God moves. God saves. People are delivered and set free. When people come to, uh, bound by drugs and alcohol and all kind of bondages, immorality, they are set free. Some of them even fall out in the spirit. There's a mighty move of God going on in that church. They said at one time, and you may say this today, and I feel like there are some that say it within themselves. Our bones are dry. Our hope is gone. One writer said, preach hope until you have it and then preach it because you have it. Hope. We need to be the church of hope. The mighty church of hope. Wouldn't that be great? The mighty church of hope. And people come and they feel the anointing and the spirit of God. And they're changed. There's a song we sung years ago. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. So often in churches, we leave just like we came. But we need to be in touch of the flow, of the anointing, of the rain, of the wind, of the power of Jesus Christ. Woo, hallelujah. Preach hope until you have it. And then preach it because you do have it. Pray to the Spirit of God and preach to the Spirit of man. Oh, we have a, we, we, we have a, a challenge before us today. I want to be like the moving of the Spirit. I thought to myself, why were not those bones on the mountainside? They were in the valley. Because many times the people of God go through the valley 
That's where God meets with us. Are you in a valley today? Are you discouraged today? Are you fighting the enemy on every side? I want you to know there's a power of God that will set you free, that will move in your behalf and change, maybe not your circumstances, he'll change you. And you can hold your head high, bless the Lord, and praise the Lord. This was a grave. This was a grave. I want the team to come. And I want us to sing that song. And I came out of that grave. If you're in a grave today, come out. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear it preached. Hear it anointed. Hear God calling. I, I just believe God wants to speak to the church today. He wants the power of God to be manifested in our lives. He wants us to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Five times, five times in the book of Acts, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then often it mentioned that they were refilled. How long has it been since we that have been baptized of the Holy Spirit had been refilled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't get drunk on the world and all it has to try to offer you, but be filled and anointed with the Spirit of God. Boy, the preacher sure is moved today. He'll calm down though. He'll No, I don't want to calm down. I don't want to slow down. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. This little girl, years ago when there were five and ten cent stores, this little girl had sought the baptism and she was so hungry for the Lord. She went to the five and ten cent store. The lady behind the counter said, may I help you? She said, yeah, I want the Holy Ghost. Wouldn't it be something if we got that kind of desire, that kind of burning within? Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, Holy Ghost, come in. Spirit of God, breathe on me. Let me experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. That's scriptural, folks. Let me say it again. The baptism of the Holy Ghost and... Say it with me. The baptism of the Holy Ghost and... Fire. Say it one more time. The baptism of the Holy Ghost and... Fire. Stand with me. Sing this song. God fill us with the Holy Spirit today. Amen. It was my tomb. 
to what? Till I met you. Woo! Somebody shout. But God called my name. sing it with them. Let me hear. Come on, sing it. Your mercy has saved my soul. I know God's freedom. When I met you, Now sing it. When I ran out of that grave. Woo! Hallelujah. If I could dance, I would dance this morning. Out of the darkness into your glory. Sing it. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. I was broken. You were my healing. I have a future, my eyes are open, cause you and you call. Now, Father, we humbly stand in your presence. God, the same anointing, the same spirit, the same breath, the same wind that resurrected those bones is here this morning. Oh, God. Lord, and he needs to move the Spirit of God needs to move in every one of us. Manifesting Himself in power. Manifesting Himself with the anointing. God, we need that. Now I'm going to challenge you this morning. Now if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, all you need to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry of my sins. Forgive me. Come into my heart. 
I accept you as my personal Savior to live for you the rest of my life. And believe that. Have faith for that. As you confess your sins, St. John 1, 1 John 1 and 9, Jesus said through his servant John that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God wants to cleanse you and God wants to fill you. God will fill you when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The only thing that you must do in order to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost is to be saved. Exercise faith. When you open your heart, he will do that. I want you to come stand with us around the altar. You can come with your mask or whatever. But I want you to come as we sing this song once again. I want you to come with an open heart. I want you to come with a yielded tongue and a yielded life. And as we pray and sing and worship around this altar, allow God to touch you and to feel you. In Jesus' name we pray again, Brother Matt. Are you buried beneath the shame today? It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing, but I want alive. All my faith. Don't hide this morning. Don't try to hide it. Open up to Jesus. Till I met you. All right, here we go. And I ran out of that grave. Lift your hands. Come on and let's receive. Lift your hearts and let's receive. Here we go. Your mercy has saved my soul. Your freedom. God wants to set you free spiritually today. Come on. <laughs> and I ran out of that place. I'm telling you, when you get to know Jesus Christ, He gives you life. Someone said, I'm not in a grave. You're in a rut. 
And a rut's a grave with each end kicked out of it. You're in a rut. If your life is a rut, if, if you just, God, He wants to give you life. He wants to make life exciting. You say, Brother Don, you believe all of that? Yes. The Bible says that He wants us to have life and what? And what? Have life more abundantly. Amen. And I'm believing today that God's going to give this church life. And sometimes we're not even going to be able to preach. And I'm not saying no substitute. You you don't have a substitute for the word of God. I'm not saying that. But there needs to be a divine move of God. People that are bound. People that are afflicted. People that need healing. People that need saving. God needs to come. Our nation needs to come together. No one in the White House is going to bring America together. There's no mayor. There's no governor. There's no president. There's no senator. Nobody is going to bring the church together except the Holy Ghost and the church and our nation needs to be healed. God, bring healing. Bring healing to our nation. Let's take just a moment. Close your eyes and worship the Lord. Take just a moment. Close your eyes. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Holy Spirit. Welcome in this place, Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place, Omnipotent Father. Of mercy and grace, thou art well. I want you to sing that song with open hearts. Sing it to him. Sing to the Holy Spirit and tell him he's welcome. Come on. Holy Spirit, thou art well.
Thou art welcome. You've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've never spoken in tongues. I gave this book out. Many of you took this book. And you're here this morning. You say, Pastor, I've never been baptized, but I'm believing the Lord. You say, what does it take? It takes a soul that's saved, and it takes faith and exercise in faith. But as we sing this song, the Holy Spirit's going to come in. There might be a wind that's going to be. You say, preacher, you, you're going to scare us. No, 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 no. God's not going to do anything that scare you. There might be a wind. There might be a, a, a breeze of the Holy Spirit. But he's here. One more time. If you want the baptism, have never received it. Lift your hand right now. We've got prayer warriors that's going to walk over, pray with you, and the Holy Ghost is going to infuse your life. Holy Spirit. Come on. Anyone? Come in this place. Omnipotent Father, have mercy. Receive your healing. Receive your salvation. Receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Sing it out. Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we have preached the word. Your anointing, your spirit has been here, is here. Lord, you have touched our lives. We that have opened, those that have opened their hearts by faith to you. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that Bethel Christian Center would be so anointed with your presence, with the wind, the Spirit, and the breath of God. Dear Father, that people would recognize, hey, something different. It's not church as usual, but something's happening. Something's moving. Lord, we see that happening to this church. We speak Bethel to be an early church, Acts church, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Everybody said? Everybody said? Hallelujah. God bless you. Have a great day, everybody.